Also, why I'm just going to keep pushing, like, regardless of any reward. I'm just like, I've made my choice. I've got my lane, and we're writing rips until we die. There we are. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are going to talk to Bobby Ferry from 16, and we appreciate anyone that's watching. So let's go, Bobby. Let's do it. Unmute. Unmute. <laughs> Bobby, Unmute. how you doing, mate? Hey, so sorry. I was I was at a beautiful California farmer's market. Oh, no. So, We've dragged you away. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, my... my uh, my 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 cucumber fancy drink there, straight from the farmers market, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cucumber that's, that's, that's how we're living here in uh, California. Welcome to Facing the Crowd podcast. You are talking to Perks and Hobo. Yeah, it's not my real name. Otherwise known as Lee and Sam, and we're delighted to have right you on. on. We are. Thank we you. We are indeed delighted to have you on. And uh, let's let me get... turn on my yeah. ceiling fan here. Yeah, no worries, man. I, I could still. I can still hear you. I have a remote there. Okay. All cool. right. There Look yeah. at that. Shit's moving. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Modern okay. technology. So, yeah. Uh, so we always start with um, similar questions, really. But um, the first question we always like to ask was, um, or is, sorry, what, what was the first paid gig that you ever went to? Uh, paid gig that I went to as like a fan. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, like the yeah. first big band that you yeah. saw. Um, well, uh, you know, in growing up around here uh, in Southern California, uh, I was drug uh, to the US Festival uh, oh, yeah. when when I was uh, I don't know nine years old. Wow. Uh, so I, I I got to see you know rock history at. Uh, at nine years old so you know i saw flock of seagulls berlin uh you know quiet riot uh who did i really like back then judas priest so yeah. then i was about eight eight nine years old uh i think i saw uh the first uh female breasts that week too with uh <laughs> you know uh, a friend saying that there's gonna be topless girls and uh you know every time there was one he would drag me over there uh so my brother <laughs> but no uh you know that was that was kind of uh, being brought along with my irresponsible parents uh who would bring a nine-year-old to a, a festival like that uh on my own uh, the first gigs that i paid for is like probably red cross uh uh-huh. and uh jane's addiction uh nice. red cross red cross jane's addiction dinosaur jr the red Hot chili peppers these were all the the bands in la and the, and the you know, 1987 and beyond, I was maybe 16 years old. So as soon as I got a driver's license, I, I went and saw Red Cross and Jane's Addiction. Um, I saw Soundgarden 
back then uh, at the whiskey with Prong and Voivod. So I pretty much had the bug ever since then. Wow. Well, and is that what made you want to be a musician, seeing those bands? A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. You know, I saw, um, you know, I, I like the first show that I like crowd surfed at and like stood in front uh, was uh, Jane's Addiction at the, uh, at, I think it was called the Embassy Hotel. It was where Robert Kennedy got shot in downtown mm-hmm. LA in this big theater. And it was a New Year's Eve show. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I saw that and that was like, transcendent smoke machine you know the whole bit uh delay pedal uh so i just was like okay that that's that's it that's i would like to play guitar now and wear this wow, lands, wow. you know or actually so did- i played guitar then but i didn't i didn't you know have equipment uh yeah. as soon as i saw that gig i like went and bought like a stratocaster mm-hmm. uh, you know what's what's your rig like these days what, what do you use with the band um i'm you want to take up the whole podcast with that and let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I'm a, I'm like a super uh, equipment head. I, I mean, even all around me, there's like a, a, a rear. There you go. That's, uh, using a fractal. Uh, nice. This is a Charvel. This is a custom um, baritone made, made by the guy named JBL. Uh, this is a uh, Telecaster by this company called Nash. Um, nice. and then there's um, down the line. Um, I, I use orange, uh, PD5150s, uh, Angle. There's uh, the other guitarist in the band has a bunch of stuff too. So we, we're always swapping and trying. And yeah, that's kind of part of the addiction is yeah, just, yeah, you know, filling up empty space with uh, things that go that are loud. That make you happy, yeah. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, do you do you rehearse a lot as a band, like together, or are you do you like live quite close together and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, we're here in San Diego, and you know, we're in a city, so uh, space is pretty limited. Like, nobody has like an extra garage or anything. Parking's hard enough, so we yeah. have a rehearsal studio. We practice like three times a week, which is pretty high for a band of our age. <laughs> uh, you know, our, we've been we've been doing it for so long, mm-hmm. um, but it's just we just you know figure that this is what makes us happy, and let's either write stuff, practice old songs, got a gig, practice up for a gig, you know. Um, so that's where the majority of uh, you know, and then it's, it just turns into like a a clubhouse, you know, just a place for. What do they say? Uh, you know, mar- married men need hobbies. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we just pretty much hang out there. Sometimes I drive by there and then I see like one of my, you know, the bass player's car on the way home. And I'm like, oh, he's hanging out there. I'm going to go hang out there. You know, <laughs> so nice. we have a, a little space with, uh, you know, amps and vinyl and just, you know, uh, air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's nice, isn't yeah, it, yeah. to have air conditioning? <laughs> it's not just um, a band; it's a, it's a club, you know. It's just a, a yeah, hangout. yeah. It's a, just a place to go. It's in a it's in a cool neighborhood with a bunch of really uh, decent places to eat. It's in the uh, um, I think it's is it is it a Korean or uh, it's in the official Asian food district. So mm-hmm. if we're not if we're not practicing, there's there's ramen, there's pho, there's Korean barbecue, there's a bunch of cool bars. It's just cool places, you know, 
culinary wise around there. So it's like, yeah, it's the clubhouse. Uh, it's karaoke it's bars. Is oh yeah, the, the there's karaoke, the karaoke bars. Don't they? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's what's your yeah. go-to karaoke song? <laughs> oh, like Steve Miller Band. I'm the Joker. You know, something like that. Nice. Bogat. You know, nice. slow ride, slow ride, bogat. Oh, sweet man! Uh, yeah, good stuff, man. So, what about the first? What about the first time you actually played like live as like with a band? Was would that have been with Sixteen, or was it? Uh, yeah, no. This is like my first and uh, band. I've like guested on other things, but this mm-hmm. is the band. So, um, I we played a, a backyard pool party in nineteen ninety one. There was a drain pool, so people were skating. Uh-huh. Uh, we so it was a skateboard it was actually a house that was being torn down so people were just wrecking the house and uh, yeah. skating in the pool and uh, we played our first show we obviously weren't very good um but uh i say we played shows at least four years too early um but uh <laughs> you know the, p- the police came and that was the first gig so memorable yes good no not really no. <laughs> that's wicked though man i mean you'll yeah. never forget that right your first show in the police turned up you ain't talking about true. Sting. bragging rights <laughs> yeah you know, it's, bragging it's funny rights. when it was happening too i'm like well i couldn't ask for a better first experience that's one everyone will think of yeah Ooh. exactly that no i think that's wicked that's wicked so we, we wanted to talk a little bit um obviously about the latest album into dust um what was the recording process like for that? Do you always use the same kind of process, the way you work together? Um, you know, um, yeah, I mean, we, we always go in and we write, a, you know, collectively because we practice a lot. Uh-huh. So we're always writing. We're always writing. And that's really the creative thing is that makes this move forward. It's not like... Um, you know, like I always say, it's not like we've ever written a classic to to uh, sustain us. So I'm literally tr- still trying to write that classic now, uh, you know, lifelong, just vomit it out. So it turns into uh, us like, hey, let's just go in and depth. Turns out to be. Uh, because either the drum performance is so good or something, or like we, so, you know, we're at that, uh, weird, what do they say? You know, it takes you, takes you, you know, like 10 years to write your first album and then you got to write your next one in like six months. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, we're, we're, we're always kind of writing a few, you know, a couple years in advance almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we go in and we track on, we usually track all the music and then, you know, I'm fairly new to uh, singing a hundred percent, so it's um, it's something that is still evolving within me and how to do it faster. Um, sure, I'm a few I'm a few months behind everybody on the music, but you know, sometimes I think that's good though, so it doesn't keep me in the guitar uh, realm of creativity. I uh-huh. need a couple months to I need a couple months to step away and write vocals like I don't know how to play guitar. And then mm-hmm. when we go to the studio, I kind of meld them together. So that's that's the process is just jam, jam on things till everybody likes it. Mm-hmm. Hit the studio with the intents of it being a demo. But then we always, 100% of the time, 
say, oh, well, this is an album and this is continuum and why waste money? Um, and again, we don't pay, you know, it's not like we're working with producers or anything. No. So, um, you know, we're pretty, uh, Alex, our guitarist is the producer, mm-hmm. um, and does, and does like the majority of the writing too. And then it's just, you know, everybody kind of smushing this thing together where we all like it. Uh-huh. You know? uh, do you think that, um, like, obviously, like you say, now you're like hundred percent doing the vocals. Um, do you find that that's changed your guitar playing at all? Uh, no, no, I still try to really grow as a good player. Like, um, mm-hmm. honestly, I'm better than I was two years ago and two years before that I was better. Um, uh-huh. so I'm, I'm always kind of growing. Um, may, maybe, uh, no, yeah, I like to really separate it. Um, you know, I like to write separately because if I start writing just with guitar, I'm going to write on the downbeats. I'm going to yeah. have this cadence of somebody, you know, and so it's important for me to really disconnect and like put another head on and think like a singer and forget how to play guitar and then hit the studio with that same intention. And then once it's mastered and I have a gig to go promote this album, I better learn how to sing and play it. And that's how <laughs> I do it. Yeah. That's amazing. That's um, a good way of working, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, so it, it keeps me growing as a singer and a guitarist. Um, but it also puts my two separate hats on. Um, uh-huh. and again, we, you know, we, we all operate with pretty, you know, collectively pretty heavy feedback from the rest of the group. So, you know, every, I mean, we all put a lot into this. So it's like everybody's kind of, kind of like it, you know? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Cause, um, you know, yeah. I think you, you could feel, you could feel it in somebody's performance that they don't like what they're doing. So yeah. let's just get, let's just play this to the point where everybody feels confident of their part. Yes, hence hence the practice. Of course, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you guys are like known for like your like raw performances and and all that kind of stuff, like high energy performances. I mean, how do you how do you keep what inspires you to perform at that kind of level, at that kind of energy? Uh, Just like, you know, how the the ones who did the blueprint for us, you know, as a kid, um, you know, seeing, uh, you know, I used to go to this place in L. Or in the valley called the Restita Country Club. It's a famous, you know, venue in metal and hardcore. And just seeing, you know, seeing the Bad Brains play mm-hmm. and seeing, um, uh, you know, Fugazi. I saw Fugazi a, a few times there on their first couple of tours. And this place uh-huh. called the Anti Club in LA. Uh, again, um, these were like, uh, you know, places that held maybe two, three hundred people. And yeah, these guys would just command the stage either with dynamics or with just like you know raw sincerity and raw effort. Yeah. Um, and then when I when then when I got older and actually started playing in bands, um, I was seeing uh, I was I was coming down here to San Diego a lot, and their whole music scene, uh, Drive Like Jehu and Rocket from the Crib, and there was a bunch of other bands that just really had that like no stops between the songs, like just fucking go. Like we, this is our 35 minutes and we're, we're going to, we're going to sweat as much as we can. And again, now it's almost ridiculous because there's, you know, there's, there's people that climb all over the monitors to do all that shit. We definitely don't do that. Um, you know, like the, the, any of those injuries could be a career ender, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) But yeah, just being inspired as a as a youth, but like I said, by those. I mean, if you saw Bad Brains, Fugazi, 
uh, you know, what I see, you know, sick of it all, leeway. And then, you know, uh, Black Flag, Rollins Band, Circle Jerks, all these things where they just, these people just gave 100%, whether there was 10 people or 1,000, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, And And that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the kind of shit I'm looking for. So that's the yeah. kind of shit I want to, that's the kind of shit I want to do. Yeah, it's like, like you took, going back to Vigazi, like you see some of their, like grainy videos, like from whatever year, and the, some of their audiences are so small, but they're literally giving everything, aren't they? Um, and you you never saw Fugazi with like massive, massive crowds of people, but they're like regarded as like this proper cult band, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they changed it for sure. I mean, mm. it, you know, they they. I mean, of course, he had the luxury of. You know, Minor Threat was a record at one point that if you were in the 80s and into punk, you had that record uh, yeah. in America. So that's, you know, he had he had his foot in, but then it wasn't like he went in an opposite direction. Like he drove his own narrative. Um, they didn't go faster. They went slower. They went more emotive. They went less. They went more space. Uh, you know, they were like influenced by Krautrock and stuff. And so it made them when you saw them live, they really stood out and, you know, you, what is it? You, you can be good. Everyone's good. Yeah. You can be great. Everyone's great, but you have to be super original and they were super original. Like think yeah. of the time, the time and the sound there was, you know, there was some bands wire, you know, killing joke had that kind of thing going, but Fugazi just took it to this, you know, gang of four took it to this place that, all us like 15 year olds who were skateboarding in Southern California cared so much what Ian McKay did a guy from Washington, DC, 3000 miles away where, you know, four or 500 of us would show up every night, no matter where they played in California. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's amazing. So obviously <laughs> you, you, you're saying you're playing or rehearsing three times a week and obviously you've got your family life. Do you, do you get to see many, new bands is there anyone that grabs you at the moment um in the heavy metal scene is there any any gigs you've been to um, where you thought that's that's that's, that's really you know a good act yeah yeah i oh shit there's for one there's so many bands now there's you know this is not an an isolated scene anymore this is if it hasn't grown in audience it's most definitely grown in bands so uh -huh. it's like it's like um you know, uh, a lot of people are in bands because uh, to be honest with you, it, it's, it's all, it's not that hard to, to skill up, to be in a band. It probably takes a few years. Mm. Um, you know, so, uh, who's, who do I really like now? Uh, locally, there's a bunch of really good bands. The city has always had a bunch of good bands. The same with LA. There's a, a band called uh, negative blast here. Um, for a while they had the drummer of earthless, uh, Mario mm -hmm. Rubacaba and it's like this total hardcore but not chugging uh, even like open chord hardcore that's really harsh I don't think uh, I don't think Mario's in the band anymore uh, there's a, another band uh, called Doc Hammer from here that we play to that are like that kind of you know gross dirty punk rock and roll where they have this performance style where they do climb all over the bar and you know will make you watch them it's kind of dangerous and I'm, I'm into that <laughs> you know i'm definitely into that they um 
And then who else? Uh, L.A., of course, has, you know, a bunch of really good bands. Um, who do we play with lately? Um, oh, there's a band called Cadabra that is on heavy psych sounds that is, like, not metal, but heavy. Uh, and, like, the heaviest band I've seen with Twin Reavers and, and Telecasters, for sure. Like, it's super awesome, kind of dark psych and those guys tour all the time. They're they're warriors. Um, yeah, that's 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 kind of it. And then of course there's like you know, I mean, we could just rattle off a lot of records that are made in the last year that are great. Mm. Um, but again, I think that might be another podcast. Just like gear would be another <laughs> podcast. So uh, you know, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a total fan. Um, I'm, I'm I want to see you know as many bands as I can. You know, um, I'll, I'll, check I'll even travel. You know, there's, um, and of course, like the bigger bands, you know, like uh, Red Fang, Yob. Um, there's a, a band called uh, Dead Bird from uh, Arkansas that we played with, uh, that we just did a split with. They're awesome. So it's Fistula. They're uh-huh. kind of long running, scuzzy sludge. Uh, and um, Dead Bird's a little more uh, prog, maybe uh, Neurosis kind of influence, but they got a Southern thing going too that you can really hear Arkansas in their sound. And then of course, like, you know, I like the new Baroness. I like that, uh, spirit of drift record. I, I like a lot of shit, you know, it's, and then yeah. I like a bunch of, you know, traditional metal, you know, um, you know, that you name it. I mean, it's, there's, there's, that's, we're living in the golden age. You know, we can You're complain fine, about, we, You're fine. yeah, we can, compl- <laughs> we can complain about like Spotify, but like, holy shit, man, I can listen to whatever I want at all times. Yeah, at that's all so true. Like music's music's everywhere. Uh, I wouldn't embrace and, it at first for ages. I was like, no, I just want to keep buying CDs. And then one day, I started using it, and I was like, hang on a minute, this is incredible. It's listening to what I listen to, and it's making me playlists, yeah. and I'm learning uh, so yeah. much stuff. Personal jukebox. Yeah, yeah, but like how it's inside your head, like blows my mind. Like, how did you know I like this song or would yeah. like this song? You yeah. know, and so that's the algorithm is turning me on like uh, to a bunch of really cool shit, like uh, this band portrayal of guilt. Um, I think that's how I heard spirit adrift too. I was like, what is this? Is this old? Is this new? Is this the sword? Is this not, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, and I, I, I know it's based on what you like. Um, you know, I, I'm a huge fan. You know what I should mention too. Um, some of the very first gigs that I saw and played was a uh, Fu Manchu and they really changed they really changed. Like they gave us like our second gig and we're always very supportive of us. We're a little bit younger than them, but um, you know, seeing them in their infancy and the action is go uh, and just being blown away by, you know, guitars. I was like, literally, you know, uh, our friend O who passed away um, was, you know, we were at a gig at Fu Manchu and there might've been 10 people there. You know, this is one of their first gigs, maybe 20. I don't know in uh, Costa Mesa, California. And I, I literally, they explained how they tuned their guitars down to see, and I'm like, no way, you know, <laughs> like I got to do that. And like, yeah, my friend, I was like, yeah, do that, bitch. Do you fucking get yourself a 412 and turn your guitar down to C. And I was like, got it. I got nice. it. I'm doing this now. Yeah. Nice, so. nice. I finally got to see uh, Fu Manchu at Desert Fest London a couple of years ago. They headlined it. I was just like, yeah, this is one of the greatest gigs. 
Funny. Every every riff every riff is great. They're you know they got that fuzz tone and they got like songs with no nonsense. Like you know like I just love a good song. Like they're really kind of a, a prototype like punk hardcore band who has the the slower riffs. But if you think like their arrangements are are like punk hardcore, like you know two three minutes. Um, they just have that whole, you know, fuzz psychedelic edge to them, but it's still, you know, like, I, I love it. It doesn't take a bunch of patience. I'm not a giant fan of psych that goes on forever. I just, man, uh, what is it? Uh, don't bore us. Just get to the chorus. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Everyone guys. likes the chorus, don't they? <laughs> the, the action is go. wasn't on uh, the social media for ages, was it? It wasn't on the uh, Spotify and Apple and all that. You couldn't listen to it. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Something got agreed and it was on there. Yeah. All the other albums, all of a sudden, it's like, great. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. I I don't think they've ever made, they keep getting better. I just, I really like them. Oh, yeah. No, brilliant band. Brilliant band. But let's get back to 16 a little bit. Let's talk about 16. I mean, you guys are, you're kind of what, like, renowned as being like one of the, one of the, like, the the godfathers of the, the whole sludge scene, right? How does that feel? Um, you know, I mean, if, if some magazine said that, then I guess it's true. It's but, true. You know, it's true. We we were we were definitely earlier than some. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I think where we, um, where we innovated stylistically, we didn't work touring wise, mm-hmm. um, because at the time, you know, at the band lineup, yeah, we had you know a bunch of problems that we couldn't tour because we either didn't have the economics or the mental health or the sobriety to even yeah. tour back then. Um, but yeah, we were, we were definitely, you know, a sound, uh, you know, again, I think everybody bases, you know, this off. I was like poison idea, black flags, my war and Melvin's and then throw in like candle mass and throw in trouble and that was the kind of, that was the archetypes that we were going to um mm-hmm. i think we were just like you know ge- generation where it was called sludge and we were like you know part of that that very first few bands who were tuning and had you know slowed down riffs that thrash would only use you know as an intro well we just yeah. made the whole song we just you know we just made the whole song that so yeah yeah that's no, great, mate. Um, you know, it's, I mean, uh, the way I got into you is one day I used to I used to work in a shop sort of down the road, and one of my mates come in, and he went to me, "You got to listen to this album," and it was Dropout, and I listened to it, and I've you know I've bought every album since. I think you know I think you're a great band. Thank you. Very, very, very different. You know, you've got a very different sound, but there's also elements of. I mean, I listen to a lot of. Um, a lot of kind of like the like the New Orleans stuff, all that kind of stuff. I like all that. I like corrosion and all that kind of stuff and down and all that. But um you guys have just got something a bit different, you know? I, I think by way of uh you know up upbringing, um you know, we we definitely have a, a kind of a hardcore influence mm. that that made us uh and a, a noise rock influence. Yeah. Um, but again, again, most of that came from ignorance. Um, I'm also a big fan of like Sonic Youth and things like that. So I was just gonna mm-hmm. let it, I was just gonna see where we ended up and that's where we ended. Like I was just gonna 
spit this out and see how it happens. But again, yeah, you know, it was yeah. Poison Idea, Black Flag, My War, Rollins Band. Those were the, the kind of archetypes. And then, you know, COC, when they came out with Blind, I was like, oh, what's this tune to? See? Well, I'm already here. So, uh, <laughs> you, know, then I, you know, like I heard, I heard COC's Blind and I was like, that's just the greatest you know, so I'm a total fan of all of it. Yeah, yeah. deliverance for me. Uh, that cut that that CD was in my car for probably a year. It's probably still in there now. <laughs> I know that's such a great record too. It's, yeah. it's such an amazing record. Yeah, cool, cool, man. So, um, you were you were heavily involved in in like the whole skating scene, right? The California skating scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was like, uh, you know, what. Uh, that was my education. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I always say like the, the I learned the the lessons of gravity. Uh, you know, um, I don't think there's like much tougher kids than skateboarders than kids who are willing to throw themselves downstairs or off ramps. So that's you know, I was literally skateboarding since I was five years old, and the, I was left there uh, for daycare. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just got immersed in the culture and heard, you know, heard my first bands, heard Devo, heard Black Flag, heard the adolescence in Orange County, you know, was seeing Dwayne Peters and Steve Olson and all these guys that define skateboarding culture. I was just a little kid hanging around there, but I got pretty good, pretty young. Uh, and then uh, in high school, I took it more seriously and like, you know, became sponsored and entered, you know, every contest I could and mm-hmm. did everything, everything I could to just, you know, submit and create a uh, part of that culture. Um, and, you know, and, and it's, it served me well um, as far as uh, being individualistic, you know, I'm not a team player. I'm not a pro, I'm not a sports guy. I'm a, like go surfing and go over the falls and almost drowned or, go skateboarding and you know i uh, try not to concuss yourself but uh that's you know those are i think i like i like that much better because the stakes are on you yeah so uh, that's that's what got me and then it was my, you know, a lot of exposure to, to traveling and people and people who were in bands you know, all came through skateboarding you know yeah so did all were, of that, so all that were you like involved in like a um like a skateboarding team and you used to travel actually skateboarding with with a team or something like that I don't really understand yeah. how it all used to work. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it, it used to be in the 80s, you'd enter contests and it was like, you know, age division. And um, I started, you know, getting like top three uh, in contests. And then uh, I got sponsored by a place called uh, Foundation Skateboards, which was an uh, early company, but now they're kind of a huge company. So I was uh-huh. one of the first, like, I think I was like the first three that were on the team. And then I got a bunch of other friends on the team who turned out to be very influential pro skateboarders who changed the culture. Mm. Um, you know, I was, uh, you know, so you level up when you hang out with people who are very good. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So, you know, at a certain point late in high school, I'd just be like, you know, at literally at Tony Hawk's house skateboarding and you know you'd be surprised at how that pushes the level you know within yeah. six months within six months hanging around those people i got like pretty good uh at, like you know age 18 and got to travel and get you know free stuff there was really no money in it back then but mm. later uh in my late 20s it turned into a pretty lucrative job 
Mm-hmm. I, was a salesman, I was a sales manager of the skateboard company called Tamietto that has like zero skateboards, toy machine and foundation. So I was a sales manager for, uh, you know, a number of years, few years um, that again, more exposure in that niche culture and learning the basics of, um, of kind of, you know, brands and brand management and, you know, yeah. marketing and lifestyle and all that. But again, uh, it's not anything that's like the leaders emerge with those kids and in that culture. And mm-hmm. it's usually by, by sheer, um, uniqueness, you know, that that's sincerity and uniqueness are very valued in that culture. Um, yeah. And it's, and it still is, you know, yeah. So. yeah. Have you watched, um, I only watched it the other night. That's you talking about Tony Hawk made me uh, remember. But have you watched that documentary about Tony Hawk? I think it's called Until Yeah, the he needs to retire. That dude needs to retire. He's going to kill himself. I, I uh, and it's it. like Lance Mountain is saying, like, one of us is going to die. I mean, yeah. I just we just had a we just had a like. So I live here in San Diego, which is like the epicenter of skateboarding. Um, yeah, you know, um, I'm sure Tony Hawk might live ten miles from my house. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not friends with them not a, anymore. <laughs> I don't know where he lives, but I do have friends that are friends with them and, and go over there and skate his pool. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. As, you, as you get as you get older, the injuries become way more serious. Well, that's uh, what I was going to say. I see him on the news yeah. the other day. He's like walking with a walking stick. I mean, he's like you say. He probably should have stopped skating a long time ago, right? There's only so much your body uh, can take. Again, but you know, he's back at it and defying the odds. So who am I to say? Um, you know, I mean, you, you look at the pro surfers too, like Laird Hamilton's in his sixties, he's doing death defying things. Uh, That's insane, you know, isn't it? so, and, and Tony Hawk, is, <laughs> Tony Hawk is most definitely, I don't know how old he is, but he's gotta be like, I'm 50. So he's gotta be like 56 or 57. And he's still coming on to 60. Yeah. So same with the walking guy. stick. Wow, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Lance, Lance Mountain, Steve Cavallaro, uh, Christian Soy, they're all maybe 60 years old and still wow. very good at it. What I found interesting was that when, in that particular documentary, is when they were all, when all the other guys who were like in that scene at the time, I, I wouldn't remember any of their names, but none of them really liked him, did they? Because they thought, because he was changing tricks, because he was so small and light, he had to change tricks. But they they thought he was cheating, or they, they they were saying he's not doing the tricks properly. But he was, I suppose, well, really he was just making his own style, right? He he was such an outsider, even with Dan. You know, there was this whole kind of punk rock attitude that favored style over technical ability. Hmm. Um, and it was like, well, why flip your board if you're just doing a ten foot air? You know, um, so he was so far ahead. I think there was resistance. And then also he was like just hitting puberty late. Um, yeah. So, you know, these, these other guys were like, you know, had mustaches at age 16 and, you know, um, had, you know, uh, there was a style thing that he didn't develop his style to later, um, you know, so he could win the contests by doing the most tricks. But everyone was like, ah, those tricks don't really have an attitude. You're just like a robot. You know, um, and then later his ability to do those takes became the attitude and he changed it for everybody and everybody followed him. So I think it was the reason why they didn't like him was it was just, he was too unique very soon. Yeah. When, uh, Bobby, when I was, when I was like 12 or 13, the bones brigade come to the UK 
and they awesome. was, they were set to play play <laughs> set to skate our local skate park in Romford and uh so we all went down there I mean I couldn't even skate all I could do was like ride on the board and do an ollie and uh we all went down there all the guys like from my street someone's dad dropped us off and it was like blazing hot and they come and they come in this like little van with a sunroof in it and and there were so many skaters from around Essex that had converged on this skate park. They couldn't get out. They couldn't actually get out, get into the park and skate. They just couldn't even get in. It was like in. the Beatles. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was like, like, no, no, yeah. no one would even, like, no one would even move to let them into the bloody skate park. So they just, they were like signing um, the flies for the, for the event and throwing them out the top of the sunroof and that. And that, and then they drove off. They just went, and like we all skated off. <laughs> Hundreds of people skated after the vans, like, and they just went. They never, they never skated. That's that was like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the level of fame they're at. The cyclical nature, though, of those things. You know, a couple of years later, they probably couldn't get arrested. Yeah. Uh, you know, and drew no kids. Uh, it's just you know, it's a very cyclical. Everything's cyclical. You know, you're hot, you're not. But they were hot for sure. That was like that was eighty seven, eighty eight, that was. Yeah, and yeah, then skateboarding just time. disappeared, didn't it? It just disappeared. Yeah. It just like It did, but it kinda it kinda got better, I think. Um, you know, it went from this like team bones brigade, like lime green shorts and like airwalk shoes to this grittier, more street culture. Um, either hip hop and heavy metal, you're either cash or, or hip hop uh, in the nineties, you know, and uh, it kind of went and what it did is it took the incentive structure out of it. So it yeah. was just like pure innovation, you know, it, it turned into pure innovation and then street skating came in uh, yeah. and that changed, that changed everything. Uh, and I, I was a part of that wave, but I was a huge fan of the bones again. I was just, you know, I was in, I was in junior high school. It was, that was the show. I probably would have been one of those kids chasing them like the Beatles. Yeah, we used to get the VHS videos of uh, skate <laughs> videos, and and they're all discreet, uh, street skating on it, the tricks and all that, and the music. I still have them. Yeah, you get into bands for I put uh, so you can look up one of my videos called the Magic F. Uh, so if you type Bobby Ferry Magic F, I used a song um, by Mud Honey, um, and it was like 1990. It was like yeah. Mud Honey was just like this thing that, you know, I got a seven inch and I was like, I want this song. You don't ask to clear it, you know, ask the way you just put it on. It's on YouTube now, but it's like oh, a cool, no. yeah, it's a cool yeah, Mud Honey. It's an instrumental. Uh, it's an instrumental on their self titled. So I think it's their second album. It might have been 91 or 90 or it might have been 89, actually. So, right. Yeah. Right. That was my, that was my, my big video part for Foundation. Oh, amazing. Uh, yeah. I will definitely check that out. 100%. Okay, I'm like, so, yeah, yeah, there was there was times when, like, during that era, like, we'd go to, you know, skate a pool and, like, who's coming with us? And they're like, oh, you know, Spike Jones, the director. You know, at the time, he was a photographer, so Spike would come with us. And, you know, it was it was a wild time. It was definitely a wild time. That's and crazy. Jason Lee, Jason Lee, who, you know, later turned out to be a movie star. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rats. My name is Earl. So that's... That's 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 one of my favorite shows. Yeah, you know yeah. So Jason, nobody Jason knows it that. over here. Nobody knows it over here. I've got them all oh, on DVD. Show. I love it. I absolutely love that yeah. show. Brilliant. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was uh, I was I was around that whole group of people in high school, and 
the oh, innovation, right. just pushing things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm fairly lucky just by, uh, you know, being on uh, the, the right dirt at the right time in my life and the right, you know, culture, I guess, you know, underground cultures. So that, but again, that shaped huge, my approach to metal and like also why I'm just going to keep pushing, like regardless of any reward. I'm just like, I've made my choice. I've, I've got my lane and we're writing riffs until we die. There we oh, are. Mate, I love that. Writing riffs till we die. Yeah. That's, is it, that's is there, cool. um, yeah. Sorry. Is there any like sneak peek of what 16 are going to be doing in say the next year? Um, is there any European tours? Is there going to be another f- a follow-up? Um, to the last album. Uh, well, we keep getting our tours canceled, so that's a rough one. <laughs> um, you know, I have a, canceling it on or, or logistics. Or... I I think a booking agent. The the, the venues are all there. We got the guarantees, and then the booking agent just disappeared. Uh, but you know, um, that was one thing. Uh, other a couple of European tours got tanked by COVID. We had a really good tour with Flipper, uh, the band Flipper, with uh, Mike Watt was playing bass. And we were going to do a month and actually go to England. And that got canceled because of COVID. That was like a year and a half ago. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we had plans of one. But, uh, you know, if, if, a, uh, if, if a festival asks us, you know, we do it. We, we play anywhere. Uh, I mean, we, we got really lucky this past year. Uh, you know, we opened up for Pentagram in theaters. Uh, we headlined our own tour, which was, you know, hit or miss. Uh, Friday night was great in like Portland or Seattle. And then like Wednesday night, I played to like 10 people at a high school party at a Moroccan restaurant. Um, and, and it was still, you know, it's all peaks and valleys and, you know, humbling, but awesome. Uh, cause like, I don't really, you know, like, uh, you know, we played in, uh, you know, Tucson, Arizona to maybe 25 people, but half of them bought records and are like lifetime fans now. So, you know, you, you hit where you can. Um, you know, we get lucky. We sometimes we get flown to places. Uh, you know, like we're going to go play with big business in Seattle in a month. Uh, you know, we're, it's, it's feast or famine. Uh, you know, we play local gigs. They say as a touring band, you never want to be a local band, but that's fucking the lamest thing I've ever heard. I want to like, 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 honestly, if you live in San Diego, you can see us like three times a month. I don't give a shit. Um, I'll fucking go out there and either play to nobody or open a gig in front of a thousand people or, you know, play all new songs, play cover songs. So I'm just kind of like, it's just, it's better to do that than not do it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, so like, you know, people are very choosy with their gigs and they're like talking about it as a market. Well, I don't give a shit about any of that. I just want to go play. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't have a... And again, maybe that's bad. Maybe that's good. But yeah, it's not bad. Not I, bad. I, I, ha- I, I have a job, so I don't need... You know, I do this out of straight up... We do this out of straight up love. Like, yeah. why else, you know, out of the love of creation and just doing it is fun. Fuck. fuck yeah. it. And if you don't have if you don't have that, then just get out of here because the money's gone Anyways, you know, money left the record business a long time ago. They never paid the artist yeah. anyways. So unless you were the top of the call sheet, like uh, fucking showbiz, like you're the top of every, you know, you're a headliner, um, then everybody else is just exchangeable. And I think, yeah. yeah um, and so we're either all competing for the same crowd or just like out here doing art. And I just rather, you know, 
Uh, I think it's the quote Lydia Lunch. It's like, you know, if you're making art for money, you're not making art, you're making commerce. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if, and it's strange how if you have that same intention, those other success comes when you don't think about success. <laughs> it's yeah. not like anything else. Yeah. It's not like you have to contextualize it as art. So to answer your question, though, yes, we do have, uh, we have a gig coming up, uh, you know, Seattle. Um, we're trying to plan something for next summer for Europe. We'll see. Uh, if not, um, we're going to hopefully do the East Coast of the U.S. Uh, we have another new record written. Uh, I'm recording that now. It's about half done. Uh, it's nice. a lot like into, it's a lot like into dust, but maybe a continuation and evolution. Yeah. Uh, we have about 15 cover songs recorded that we've recorded over COVID just because we were bored. Uh, yeah. you know, um, and that's like anyone from like a, a local band here called Three Mile Pilot. We recorded one of their songs, we recorded a super chunk song. So like not definitely you wouldn't expect us to do it, but yeah. I, I made them as crushingly heavy as I could. Uh, of course. And then like, <laughs> you know, X, X, UFO, we even have a Bee Gees cover. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, so we'll, you know, all this will hit the streets someday. Um, and then we there's, keep there's like two more albums ready. There's two albums ready to go. Pretty much. And then we all like, we just keep writing. So it's like, you know, and I'm not the kind of person that thinks everything is good and needs to be released. Um, you know, some stuff rightfully so needs to end up in the garbage. Um, but <laughs> the, the point is, is to put in the work, uh, and just fucking get to it. Like, let's, let's write some riffs. And if half of them suck, then we got half, you know? Let's do that. Mate, do you know so, what? I I would love to hear a sixteen cover of an ABBA song. I think that would be insane. Um, oh no, Bee Gees, not ABBA. Bee Gees. Sorry, I just can't imagine it. Um, I think you could when you read the lyrics. Um, really? So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give you uh, again. This is like far away from, especially vocally. Um, I don't have a falsetto, but I want you to read the lyrics to the song Tragedy by yeah. the Bee Gees. No, and no, no. tell me that's not the most fucking depressing song you've ever heard. <laughs> uh, Tragedy by the Bee Gees. Yeah, um, it's it's fuck, man. I mean, there's there's some really it, in fact, it, it's when you uh, when you Google the saddest Bee Gees song, it's called Tragedy. Yeah. Um. I mean, just like I said, just read it. Um, it's, I mean, they're they're brilliant, obviously. Uh, no one needs to fucking hear from me how great the Bee Gees are, what great <laughs> players they are, and what great songwriters they are. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that song especially has opportunities for riffs. So I'm laying it out there right now. So if anyone else covers that, they're biting us, okay? This is, <laughs> this is the cop, this is, this is the copyright on, on the uh, metal Bee Gees song right now. Now I'm gonna make it happen. Now I mean, I know, I know the Foo Fighters did it really well, like two years ago, or whatever, didn't they? But I would imagine you're, you're, you might, you've beefed it up a bit more than that, right? You're not gonna tell it's a BG song. To be bluntly no. honest with you, you know, you're, you're not. Um, but it is a BG song. It's just, you, you know, aesthetically, it's gonna sound like sixteen. Um, Incredible. I, I just think those. I was really, really. For one, it's a great riff song. For two. I mean, you know, let me just read some of these lyrics to you, okay? <laughs> um, 
with with no one to love you, you're going nowhere. Tragedy. When you lose control, you've got no soul. It's tragedy. When the morning cries and you don't know why, it's hard to bear. With no one beside you, you're going nowhere. That's damn Barry Gig. Barry Gig, man. St- yeah, that's like gun in mouth, man. Fuck. The whole song's like him. that. I saw him once. I went and saw. Um... Black Label Society in London, and um, I think his son was playing drums for him at the time. What? Yeah, true story, true story. Damn. I can't remember his name. So obviously someone, Robin, no, not Robin, someone Gibb, but he was he was the son of a BG, and he was the drummer in Black Label Society for however long. And um, I've turned around, and there's a BG standing at the bar, just standing there watching his son. I couldn't believe it. I genuinely couldn't believe it. So, um, but it's true. yeah, who's the, the drummer? I guess, uh, humble brag here. Uh, you know, Max Weinberg, um, uh, Springsteen's drummer, uh, you know, his son, uh, is, uh, in Slipknot. Yeah, you know? that's right. Uh, yeah, he made a playlist last year of the songs that made him feel something. And our song, uh, was on there, um, Scrape oh. the Rocks. So I was, you know, I mean, he, you know, he's, He's a Weinberg. He's in Silvernot. Um, so I'll take the nod. You know, you, you take those nods when you can. Uh, again, it was we were pretty stoked. I was like, what is this? His best of year end of songs that make you feel something. And we're on there. So I'm like, right on. That's well right cool. On, man. That is pretty yeah. cool. Have you played in the UK? Uh, not since, literally since like 99. No. Uh, when... Um, you know, uh, again, I've changed planes plenty of times in, in London, uh, but we really need to go there. So there's a band called Ohms that I like. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, really like like them. The droney stuff, right? Is it the droney stuff? Um, no, Ohms is more of a, they, they sound a little like us, um, but oh, okay. their own thing. Um, mm-hmm. They're, I think, I don't know where they're from in England, Um but I know they've been, they've gotten like plenty of press, like, you know, Kerrang and stuff like that and Metal Hammer. Yeah. Um, they're uh, a, a band. Um, God, I don't know where they're from. Oh, they're from Manchester. Oh, okay. So yeah, Ohms, it's Ohms with two H. Um, you know, I've been pen pals with those guys for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another band called Hark that I really like. Did oh, you okay. guys ever hear Hark? Hark? Is that, they've got, have they Jim got Bob? An exclamation mark in the name of the band. I don't, I don't know, but they were like really good sludge. It was on like Season of the Mist like five years right. ago. Um, I know the guy kind of retired from it. It was, it's really good again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd love, I, I, we got to get there, but you know, England is a, a weird, not a weird place, but now, especially that the border's a little harder to navigate, they yeah. don't let in musicians like me without work permits and, it's not really in our business plan to do anything legitimate. Uh, no, to do anything, um, you know, that requires like that level of like work permits and just like, yeah. ugh, you know, it's I, just I, too I, much you know, in, 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 in relation to the rest of Europe where you can just kind of, I'm a tourist, you know, I'm yeah. a tourist. Yeah. Um, show, no, we, we need to get there. It's definitely a goal, you know, to play the underworld. It's, it's definitely a goal, a lifetime goal. So I'm sure hopefully I can do this in the next couple of years and get there and make it happen. 
Yeah, man. Oh, you guys would go down a right storm at the underworld. I think you're perfect. If, uh, if you know, I don't know if, uh, if Orange Goblin's listening. They need man support. Let's just let's do this. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, you got to come to the UK. That'd be wicked. Bobby, can we ask you our weird question we always <laughs> ask, that we always ask at the end? We always ask of a course. weird question. It is okay. You've got one song to send into space for any other life form to hear. Only one. What are you going to send up there? The thinker. What's, what's that song? What is that song? Um, the you know, uh, I, I know I'm going to go back um, to scare off uh, potential uh, predator races <laughs> and species. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, um, rise above by black flag it's fucked nope. up it's not in time the the lyrics are super honest um and it's it's heavy it's it's dark it's feedbacky it's lo-fi and none of that matters and i i think if the uh the brain sucking aliens heard that they'd be like let's move on and go to another planet that maybe <laughs> you know has some like Joni mitchell going on uh, or something like that. I think that's. I think. I think I'm going with Black Flag. Uh, rise above. Uh, again, there's. I think there's even. A t- yeah, yeah. There's like a time signature thing in the beginning. It sounds like a mistake or something. And so it'd be like, man, those guys are fucked up. They did that on purpose. Like that's you know, it's it's uh it's muscular. Uh, you know, it's it's got everything for me. It really does. No. So it's, to this day, it's to, to this day that shit still speaks to me. Yeah, once it's in your brain as a kid, it's just there forever. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. No one said Black Flag so far, no. so that's brilliant. You're someone, definitely some, someone said that Marilyn Manson, the beautiful people, the other day. Yeah. I was like, well, that will scare them off. <laughs> if they watch the video, it will scare them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or what if they're like, this is, this is, we're down for this, let's get there. So I don't know. I'm scared <laughs> of that too. Who knows? I'm scared, Who knows? Of, I'm scared of 10 foot aliens in bondage gear. Uh, I'm scared of that shit too. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty crazy, isn't it? Of a mate that could be here already. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> what is that? I know there? exactly. Something's yeah, going yeah. out there. Who knows? Didn't they just? Uh, didn't they just say, "Hey, uh, guess what? Uh, we can't explain this stuff. Here's some aliens. Uh, do that what you will." And it's like on the third page of the paper. Yeah, you know, it was like it was, it was something to do with the guy from um, Blink One Eight Two or something, wasn't it? Oh, uh, he's been like a long time believer, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, but apparently he was right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, he was in the papers, like, yeah, I told you I was right, and all this. It's like crazy. Yeah, like you say, it wasn't. It wasn't like front page news. It was kind of like hidden away underneath the surface, which is crazy because like, what happened. Like, uh, imagine in the eighties if they were just like, guess what? Aliens are real. Here's the footage. Uh, we don't know anything else about this. We can't explain it. And we yeah. all would have lost our brains, but now with the influx of like 24-hour news and just fucking tragedy constantly and mass shootings, they're like aliens, and they're like, all right, cool. Next, next. You know? <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? Everybody should be freaking out because of that. They're watching us. We don't know what oh, they are. <laughs> it's mental, isn't it? Are you a big watcher of the news? Do you like, do you like watching the news? No, no, man. Yeah, a lot of people don't, do they? Some demon gloom, right? 
<laughs> uh, you know, it bleeds and leads. Uh, it's, it's hard. Um, I, I think that preps you for a lot of anxiety and fear that really doesn't exist. You know, yeah. I think there was a Bill, a Bill Hicks uh, joke that was like, you know, I sat around for two days, chain smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee and watching CNN, thinking the world was going to fucking end. And then I went outside and the birds are chirping and there's children running. And it's like, man, I don't think I, I don't think as humans we're supposed to have that influx of input of information where, you know, I mean, here I am fucking San Diego and I just went I just got back from a fucking farmer's market and had a cucumber mint limeade uh, and uh, Greek food and uh, organic vegetables. Like I, I, you know, my tunnel vision doesn't mean I'm not empathetic to the whole world suffering, but Jesus Christ, man, that's no reason to be an emotional martyr to, you know, I think this time on this earth is too short for that shit. It's too short for that much negativity, man. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent, mate. And the shit they're peddling, the peddling stuff that's just beer. Like, you know I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's just make make you scared, make you scared. That's like, ah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> as long as there's enough. farmers markets, mate, you're gonna be all right. Exactly. Yeah, it's you know, ride, ride my skateboard around, play my riffs, and go to farmers <laughs> markets and drink coffee. I think I, I could live in my bubble and die happy. That's it, mate. That's it. Yeah. Bobby, on that note, mate, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a, it's been lovely chatting to you. And we wish you luck with everything you've got coming up, especially the covers album of the Bee Gees. Yes. Look at that. Yeah, Please wicked, send man, me wicked, that. Man. Oh, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. We never got... I know you've been asked this a million times, but we want to hear you say it. Why did you change the name from 15 to 16? Oh, so here's the real story. Um, we made this demo. We recorded with Jeff Forrest, uh, by the way, the guy that recorded the first two Blink-182 albums uh-huh. here in San Diego. So we're, we're, that's, that's Jeff Forrest is who we've recorded with forever. Um, we were some of his first clients. Um, and uh, we recorded these four songs and they turned out great and they turned out to be kind of what we are today. Like, you know, we just made this demo and it was like, oh shit, this is kind of like, you know, harsh vocals, fast or slow, sludgy riffs, you know, tuned down to D or C, some noise, some, you know, heaviness, like I said, influenced by what was going on, Black Flag, Fu Manchu around us at the time. Um, we got this idea that we're going to make this double seven inch. We went to Rainbow Records in LA and, got, you know, one of us, uh, uh, the drummer at the time took the initiative was like, I'm going to do this sub double seven inch of this and had his friend design it. And um, we were friends uh, with this pro skateboarder and he's a, a famous artist now named Mark Gonzalez. And he always wrote uh, team uh, 15 on his skateboards, like as some weird, like, I don't know, he always wrote things on his grip tape and paint pens. And so we're like, that's cool. Team 15. We're going to steal that from Mark. And then, uh, and then we became 15. And then, so we made these seven inches. We had like paper logos, two seven inches. And we went to this, uh, place in, um, uh, Huntington Beach, California, Vinyl Solution. It's still there today. It's the, the, the hub of punk in Orange County. It is, or, you know, hardcore of heavy music of anything. Um, and we're like, Hey, you know, you want to buy some of our seven inches? We're called 15. And the guy's like, there's a band called 15 from Berkeley, uh, you know, already. And we're like, oh, 
so we're 16 and then we went <laughs> home and photocopied it uh photocopied and we're like one six okay so we're not going to write it out of 16 we're going to be the number one six and it was just like that like just that I'm, I'm you know again this is like 30 years ago but that was just the the serendipity of how something like that happens and then you know now it's taken on deeper meaning and everybody wants to know you know fucking i still think it's a horrible name to be bluntly honest with you because you can't google it it's hard to search for on spotify um you know we have a logo that's cool uh, you know the logo is definitely cool but yeah, you know, the, artist Puss, the artist the artist Pusshead did that for us so you know we're yeah, blessed yeah. to have we're blessed to have that but it's a really horrible name but then people ask like well you know unless you regret or if you would have known it's like well it was before google so if you think I would have foreseen something like Google coming. I sure as shit wouldn't have started a band. So, you know, it is, it is what it is. That's the irony of it, but it's cool. It's ambiguous. It doesn't really tell you anything about what we sound like. No, no. Uh, So, well, I didn't know Pussy did your logo. I mean, he did a lot of stuff for Metallica, right? Yeah. Yeah. He actually did our first album cover. um, Amazing. You can look, it's yeah, we, we got the endorsement. So we were in that, you know, long story short, as we did that seven inch, it hit like maximum rock and roll and, uh, you know, all the punk things. And then Pusshead wrote us a, 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 a letter saying how he really liked it and he wanted to put out our record. So our That's first cool. two records, our first two records were actually put out by Pusshead. So we got an early nod, uh, by, by, by someone who is, you know, crazily influential in, uh, both skateboarding and, uh, metal culture. So yeah, yeah, it's you know, I mean, I'm like I said, now it's this 16 is forever because we got a busted logo. Uh, yeah, exactly yeah. that. You couldn't and, really and also it. it's it's you know, and a bunch of people got tattoos or you know, a bunch of good people got where are mine? Oh yeah, so there's you know, uh, tattoo logos, you know, a bunch of people the earth of 16 tattoos. So you know, we can't change now. It's it's it is what it is. It's set in stone, and rightly so. Well, no turning back, UK, man. Bobby. I hope you come play the UK. Yeah. I know, you, I know you're yeah. trying, but we have never seen you. Yes. So. Yeah, and we'd love to, and we'd love to. You guys better be there. Where are you guys at? We are. We're from a place. We're from a place called Essex, which is forty minutes from London. South End. So yeah, uh, we've we've been to. Um, obviously, we've been to the underworld a million times. And uh, but yeah, we wish you yeah. luck with everything, sir. And we can't wait to hear the covers album and the next album, which we're very much looking forward to. And yeah, Hopefully. we wish you all the luck going forward, sir. Thanks um, for coming on, man. We hope you have plenty of farmers' markets to go to. <laughs> Cucumber pleasantries. Not, not very, not very metal, but you know that's what I live. So. Yeah, but California. You know, yeah, you get the metal out on stage, man. You don't need to walk around like a metaler, right? It's... I'm not Lemmy, so you know. Exactly. I'm over yeah. here trying to stay healthy. <laughs> Good man. Awesome, mate. Yeah, right, guys, thanks thank so, much so much for coming on, Bobby. You take right, care, take mate. Care. Speak to you later. Bye bye.
and we're writing riffs until we die. There we are.